three, two. Welcome to this week's edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style! <laughs> I'm Sid the Kid along with my co-host, Miss Lakina McGee. You can normally hear us every Thursday on ChicagolandSportsRadio.com, but we in pandemic formation, so you'll get us via Zoom Style. You can follow me on Twitter at SidKid80 and Instagram at the same address. That's SidKid80, S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. Lakina, where can the lovely people follow you on the social media? You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and Kina underscore McGee on Instagram. And for our special guest for this week, she's a um, news TV and sports reporter for the Fox and, and ABC TV affiliates in Rockford, Illinois. Her name is Miss Brittany Tulis. And Brittany, where can uh, people find you on the social media? On social media, I am Brittany underscore Tulis on Twitter and then just B Tulis on Instagram. All right. So be, before we get started with the fun stuff, Brittany, I want to ask you, um, since you're a, a news reporter slash anchor, uh, during this challenging time, at least the state that we live in, live in Illinois, it looks like things are starting to open up again. The city of Chicago is starting to open up early next week. Uh, what kind of challenges have you have you faced uh, during this time in reporting the uh, reporting this virus? It seems like we've been uh, yeah. noticing uh, new information about this virus every single day uh, for the last couple of months. Um, it's honestly kind of like just living in a continuous groundhog day of new day, new coronavirus info, just trying to get it out there and just trying to say almost the same thing in different ways, like saying unprecedented times. I'm so sick of saying that phrase, mm -hmm. but trying to figure out how new ways to say it and um, just keep people informed and dealing with people calling and yelling a lot about what they don't like what's going on. Yeah, but how to? Yeah, how challenging has that been? Because I'm, you know, I'm sure people are, we all know, folks are getting restless, people are being impatient. How is that, how have you guys been able to deal with that in the newsroom? Uh, well, the newsroom's like kind of bare bones right now. So it's just me, our other two anchors, our EP and our news director. So when our news director leaves, I usually answer the phones. And honestly, just trying to talk level with people, talking to them through, like, okay, I know you don't like it. No one likes it. Um, it's something you got to do and the faster you get it done, the faster we can go back to normal. The more you fight it, it's like getting recess taken away. If you keep acting up, they're going to keep taking our recess away. Just chill out, wear the mask, stay safe. That's kind of it. Just kind of let them know you're not coming from a, a malicious or like controlling point of view. It's like, this is just for your and my safety. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, Britta, during this downtime of quarantine, what sort of things have you been doing or what programs have you been watching to keep yourself entertained um, when we've been in quarantine for the last couple of months? Uh, I've been binging. I just started Westworld. I've never watched it before. And I blew through that first season pretty quickly. Um, Bob's Burgers is another go-to for The Office. I'm just hanging out with my dog. We do dog walks on the weekends with my boyfriend but he's he um was playing hooky right now because patios are open out here in rockford actually so he left work early to go to a, a patio hopefully he doesn't get caught yeah let's say yeah i hope he's wearing a mask too <laughs> he's got his mask um he's going with a work friend so if they get caught they're going down together i guess <laughs> oh wow <laughs> all right so let, let's start off with the fun stuff uh where were you born uh how'd you become a sports fan of uh, those Oh, fun facts, Britt. Well, I'm from the south side of Chicago. I'm from... Um, yeah! Woo! Yeah! 
So I'm from right by Sox Park. Yeah, Canaryville is my neighborhood, um, but most people don't know Canaryville. They know Bridgeport, and we're like separated by 39th Street. So yeah, me and my, my mom was the one who got us into sports. She grew up a Sox fan. Um, you guys are Sox fans. You know, tickets were never that expensive because the team never was doing that great in the 90s. Exactly. <laughs> so we would like walk to the games, um, get cheap seats, sneak down to the good seats, and that's how I grew up liking baseball. My brother started playing hockey when he was younger. He's uh, about a year and a half younger than me. So I kind of started to like hockey through him and they would like the team would go to Blackhawks games because also in the 90s, the Blackhawks were not that great and tickets weren't that expensive. So yeah, hopefully you know, Bill works for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when they were playing. But yeah, so we would just go to games and just grew up liking it. My mom's the one who taught me how to throw and how to catch and how to not be afraid if the ball hits me, which is a good thing to know. But um, yeah, just grew up on the South Side, went to South Side um, Grammar School, St. Gabe's, and then went to St. Ignatius for high school. And after St. Ignatius, went to Eastern Illinois University for undergrad and grad school. And I don't know, I just have a deep love for my South Side. <laughs> Nothing deep, wrong with that. Did, nothing at all. Yeah. Did you play any organized sports uh, through grade school, high school, or college? Yeah. So I played hockey for one season. Um, not great. Had a great time. Couldn't stop. Didn't understand icing. So every time I touched the puck, I would send it. But um, I played volleyball mostly. So from about fourth grade to senior year in high school, was volleyball was my sport. Okay. Lakina? Pardon? Yeah. No, no, no. No, no. That, that's, no that's me, Brittany. Uh, I, I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, Sport. The good news is it looks like, you know, getting to like the nitty gritty of it, it looks like sports are starting to kind of like slowly but surely, you know, get back to normal. Like, you know, things are starting to kind of like gain the rolling going on here now. I see, yeah, you you went to Eastern Illinois. Um, you're thinking about that these, you know, some of these football and basketball teams are going to be working out in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. It looks like voluntarily workouts. And I thought I saw one that says that they're going to be doing it at stages and some conferences. So, what is your response to those who say, okay, let's get back to like, you know, playing college football and you know, soccer and that and such? That I, you just, for one, it's way, I think, more difficult to control crowds at college games than it is professional sports games because just the security getting into the stadiums is way different. It's way more lax at college games. And that's my biggest concern. I think the athletes, when they start working out, and when they start getting trainers, I think they'll be a little safer because they can, like, you don't have to lift right next to somebody. You don't have to do sprints right next to somebody. You can figure it out. When they start playing, like, against each other, that, I think, might take a little while. But when they do start getting up, I think fans will be the last to be included in that equation. And people are not going to like that. Um, the schools probably aren't going to like that because sports make a big amount of money for those big schools. And a lot of it comes from ticket sales. So I think that's going to be the final push. It's going to be a while away. Um, and people just kind of need to be patient because like I said, the more you fight it, the more you try and rile up people and say, I'm going to go to the games regardless. I'm going to tailgate the games regardless. It's just going to prolong everything. So just chill out, let the athletes work out. I think that's fine. Working out, if they do it, I believe they said they wanted to start doing like small pods or small groups of like 10, five to 10 people. Um, spacing out and I think it's maybe safer for especially those athletes to work out because the trainers are right there and their medical staff is right there if they do get hurt as opposed to doing it at home and just the equipment is probably better than what they have at home yeah 
six. Yeah, we yeah we talked about it for the last few weeks, um, Lakina, that uh, yeah. we used the University of Michigan as our example. And how funny, uh, like a better term, that their president came out this week and said that, uh, that the students are not back on campus in the fall. Uh, the, uh, the football team will not be playing. We all know that the University of Michigan, the big house, holds 110,000 people. Just like Brittany pointed out, we had to accept the fact that there's not going to be full crowds at these games, including the NFL as well. We'll talk about the NFL later, but um, it, there was a model that uh, the Ohio State University uh, pointed out because their, uh, their stadium holds about 80,000 people at the horseshoe, and they had one model showing that 25% fan capacity, and there was another model showing at 40,000 to 50,000 fans. I, I wanted to ask um, you, uh, Brittany, that do you, do you think there'll be at least half capacity, at least 30% capacity once college football starts in the fall? I hope so. I don't think that's an unfair estimate. I think that's pretty, like I said, it's, it's not going to be packed, but I think right. starting to integrate some crowds, I don't think that's a far cry from what could be happening, especially if everything dies down over the summer too. I think that's pretty, I think it's a fair estimate that at least some fans can get in. And I yeah. hope those games are fun. I've been to a Michigan State game once and that was so much fun. Yeah. I couldn't, I understand people wanting to get back to those games. Yeah, well, it's interesting because the president, he's actually, he is actually a doctor. He has a PhD, so I can kind of understand his concern about, you know, we don't want the students, but you know, listen, he's a Michigan guy. I think he should have known better than not to say that. I know he was trying to be cautious. I'm sure there are probably a lot of press, uh, school presidents that probably feel the same way he does, but ask him that question again in a couple of weeks because there's going to be a lot of pressure on, on himself and others who feel the same way that, you know, people are going to want their sports. And yes, like you said, like you guys both said, you're probably going to get maybe like 25% to a 30% capacity in some of these big stadiums. So I don't know how it is in Eastern where you went to school, Brittany, but it's probably going to be like that in FCS as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think these, uh, these school leaders and even these like state leaders at the right now, it's plan for the worst, hope for the best. So like I think what they're saying now, like this is probably worst case scenario and it's good to get it out there. So people aren't like, oh, we can fill it up 50%. You said we're going to fill it up 50 to 100% three months ago, and now you're cutting it. I think it's better to lowball it. Be like, yeah, we can maybe get 25% in. And then if it's better, great. If it's not, well, that's what they planned for. So, but yeah, Eastern Stadium was really small. And like I said, the security was, I honestly don't remember seeing much of it. Um, especially with the tailgating around the stadium and because it's the stadium it's small it's right in the mid, right next to the school's gym and there are just houses and, and student housing all around it so like little apartments and stuff students rent and it gets wild there's no way to control those crowds there's absolutely no way to control that um there's just not enough police and security in that town to do it so i just think yeah plan for the worst hope for the best and i think that's what all the leaders are doing too I think you bring up an interesting point, Britt, about saying the uh, expectations low, and then we say hope for the best, and then things will start to uh, well, gradually start improving that way. I want to wrap up with the college football point uh, by saying this: you brought up tail tailgating. I think if, if to be safe, I think I, at least for this college football season, in pro football too, that tailgating is over. And let's just say if you if, if tailgating is left alone. 
you you're gonna definitely have to monetize it because yeah. like it's, like you said, it's gonna be uh, uh, crowd control trying to bring him in the fans into the stadium in the first place. Because we all know if you ever participate in, in tailgating, that's like a whole nother three hour event right there before the game. Uh, playing games, drinking, running around, and just socializing. Let's just say they do have tailgating. Oh, it's hell. Even though social distancing, no one is not going to practice keep that aspect of it, but you may. Yeah, you may have to cancel the. Um, uh oh, is this? Um, uh oh, since yeah, since Well, so you so you broke up. Can you repeat a little bit of what you just said because you started breaking up? Okay, I was just saying that if you don't keep the tailgate, you might just have to break that up. If you don't have any rules or safety concerns to um, monetize the tailgate, you might just have to eliminate it for this season altogether. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, if they so, I wonder if they would be able to, like I said, sell tickets to just tailgate so they can control how many cars are in there and maybe like limit this many people per vehicle so they can like tell them where to park. Be like, you guys can park here and leave like a space or two. Be like, next car can park there. I mean, that might be a way to make money at least and have fans enjoy the football season and stuff. But yeah, if they don't do that, tailgating is going to have to, I don't know if they'll be able to do that. Because it's it is a cluster when it's just kind of how it was before, just cars on top of cars and people on top of people mm-hmm. for hours, just getting sloppier and sloppier. <laughs> the ticket the ticket aspect is going to be interesting too. Because are they going to are going to live it to maybe just season ticket holders or maybe like in college's case, maybe students assuming that some are going to be on campus. So that's a lot that these presidents and ads are going to so they still got to figure it out and need to figure it out quickly. That's a good point. I honestly didn't even think of if uh, students will be back on campus in the fall. That's I just honestly did not think of that. That's a great point because students aren't there. That kind of eliminates a lot of the fan issues. I mean, not all of it, but most people at those games are students. Yeah, Brittany Tulis of ABC TV and Fox TV Rockford, Illinois, joins us right here on Sega City Sports Zoom style. Along with Miss Lakina McGee, I am Sid the Kid. Uh, let's move on to the NFL right now. Great, uh, uh, of course, you covered the Chicago Bears for your station. Tell us what was that experience like covering the Bears this past season? The Bears was not as fun as the previous season. Um, <laughs> locker room was kind of a sad place sometimes, <laughs> but it's awesome covering the Bears. Just kind of being in that atmosphere, seeing. The guys that, I mean, I grew up watching the Bears. You know, it's obviously not the same guys I grew up watching, but just, like, these are the Chicago Bears. Being in, like, within arm's reach, talking to them, get asking them questions, and just seeing some of them are just goofy, regular people is awesome. And getting, like, the in and outs of the what they're doing to do better, hopefully do better. Nagy's most recent prediction of what he did wrong last season hopefully is all he needs to fix but we'll see <laughs> who are some of the favorite players you have covered so far hicks akeem hicks is yeah <laughs> oh my god what a personality on that one he was always funny always ready to talk um he kind of gives the some of the reporters the business which is funny um danny trevathan would always 
give sound when needed. Cause sometimes um, like you, you go in, I, I would cover defense a lot. I would go on Thursday. So I would um, defense was mostly what I covered. And like when Hicks was hurt and gone, he obviously wasn't talking. So that was like a, someone I was kind of banking on every week. And then I kind of had to like go out of my comfort zone and like ask people like, Hey, can I just do a quick interview with you? And I was a one man band. So I had the camera and the microphone and just going up to these NFL players. Some of them would say no. They'd be like, no, like, oh, okay. All right. That's all right. But Danny Trevathan would always talk. Um, even though he's not on defense, Alan Robinson would always talk too. And even if he did it earlier in that week, some, there's some of them are just so nice. And then some want nothing to do with the media. And you can. Yeah, you, you should get a mixed bag cover in a locker room. So um, you take your chances right there. Like, and you, you take chances where you look. Oh my God, there is yeah. mm, no discretion. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's definitely unfiltered there, Mr. Hicks is. Uh, what's, what's Khalil Mack like? Because I heard people say that he's like a man of very few words. I, I've never talked to him. He's told me no <laughs> multiple times. He would usually only talk um, on Fridays is what he would say. And we, my station didn't go on Friday. So we rarely got sound from him. He was uh, like, he would talk to the guys next to him in the locker room and he seemed nice, but no, he would never talk to, to media when I was there. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah. I want to ask Britt about the, the Bears first round draft pick tight end Cole Clement out of Notre Dame. Of course, that was one of the positions that the Bears struggled with last season. Do you think that uh, Cole Clement will make a big difference for that Bears office? Uh, coming up for 2020? I hope so, because that's a position, like you said, they lacked last year. It just was, there was no spark in that position. And I hope bringing this young college draft pick uh, adds that spark. He's, I hope he's hungry. He's like chomping at the bit to get out on the field. And with just the kind of the fire the offense has now with two potentially starting quarterbacks on the lineup also. So I hope there is like a nice just rejuvenation of that Bears offense because they were – hard to watch at some points last year like it was just like oh like yeah um, they had flat like in every aspect they had flashes of just brilliance in different games like some games the passing game was great some games the running game was great some but it never all worked together like they didn't have it all together working and I think that's something they desperately need and I'm hoping this new blood especially this young blood um will help with that because they need it well, yeah. I know, well, no, I, would, no, I was just going to say, so like, you know, okay. B, you cover mostly defense. I mean, it, the, the Bears actually drafted into the second round Jalen Johnson from Utah. He's one of those guys that, yeah, he's had some injury issues, but when he's good, he's really good. He's a two-time pack, all-pack 12. So this is a guy that actually can shore up that Bears secondary. What do you think? Yeah, uh, they left that last turnovers. And so the year before, Turnovers were awesome. That secondary coverage, awesome. Interceptions, great. Last year, there was like maybe a handful, maybe a handful. And um, the defense in general was a little lackluster this past year, mainly due to injuries. And that secondary coverage is so important, especially when your primary defense, like when Hicks went down, when Trevathan went down. We, we needed those secondary guys. And it just, they, they didn't get had give enough. So the Bears defense especially going from the first in the league, ranked first in the league in defense the previous year to what they were this past year, it was a big fall from grace with Bears defense. So this kid has big shoes to fill and big expectations. 
And I hope to goodness gracious, he steps up to that plate. Speaking of the Bears offense being hard to watch, uh, it starts with the quarterback and his name is Mitchell Trubisky. In 2018, he took a step up and helped lead the Bears to the division uh, championship. Last year, he took a step back. We all know why. Part of it was because of the shoulder injury, and they forced him to be a, a pocket passer, which is not his game. I thought he was thinking too much, and so, and that's why the struggles happened for much of that season. So how I want to ask you, Bray, from your vantage point, how big is 2020 for Mitchell Trubisky, especially after uh, the Bears brought in Nick Foles to compete for his spot in the offseason? Oh, 2020 is a make or break for Trubisky. Honestly, though, I think a lot of people thought that about 2019 that it was make or break. But now that they have Foles into the mix, um, yeah, Trubisky knows they won't give him a whole season to work on his game or to improve. I think they're going to give him a couple of games, and if it doesn't get better, they can pull that switch. But like you said, they kind of pulled him out of his game. He likes to use his legs, and they kind of cut his legs off, and it didn't it didn't bode well. He was in his head a lot, and I know I'm part of it, but to be honest, media coverage, I think it, it affects them. It does. They can say they don't pay attention to it. They can say they block it out, but Chicago fans can be brutal. And when oh, yeah. a reporter posts something or puts a story of Trubisky's, you know, didn't do great this game, and you look at all the comments or you look at that Twitter thread, it's, it's hard to block that out emotionally and psychologically. That would mess with you. Speaking of the offense, again, we'll stay with that. And rookie running back from Iowa State last year, Dave Montgomery, he had a good year, but it took uh, um, Matt Nagy, head coach, to integrate that part of of the offense, of the running game into the offense uh, last year. Montgomery did look good in some spots. Do you think that he'll be more consistent in integrating the running game into the offense this year? I think so. Like you said, when Montgomery did have those good games, you could like, you saw how like, that was one of the flashes of brilliance I was talking about. Like you saw how good it could be. And mm-hmm. I think that they integrate that more. And um, yeah, Montgomery had some great games. He had some flashes, but it just needs to be more consistent. And like, it's the second year now. So he saw what the NFL has. He saw how he can take what the NFL has and what he needs to work on. So hopefully he used this offseason, however long it's going to be, to get himself physically and just mentally prepared. Because a big part of this game is mental. Big part. Now, same with the offense for a second. Um, Allen Robinson, he's a very you know, fascinating guy, both on and off the field. Um, do you think he could be due for those, those, you know, for those big bucks? Because his contract's coming up soon. They, oh, God, yeah. If they don't give him that money, because he was one of our best producers last year and one of our most consistent, and he's a veteran, and he's just presence on that field, especially when stuff is going south. Robinson has that nice, very calm, he's just very grounding, and he deserves it. If they don't, another team will, and – a team that does whoever does pay him that money is going to benefit from it because he is such a clutch player on offense and just in the locker room. Like he's quieter in the locker room, but just seemed like a great all-around person to have on a team, not just productive-wise, but personality-wise. 
uh, speaking of uh, uh, making moves, of course, uh, other teams in the Bears, AFC North Division, made moves. Of course, the Lions uh, made moves. Uh, the Packers uh, picked up uh, Jordan Love, the, the quarterback out of Utah State. And of course, Minnesota traded Stephon Diggs to uh, the Buffalo Bills. Um, do you give uh, – well, before we get to the Bears side of it, uh, as a Bears reporter and a Bears fan – what did you think about Green Bay picking up uh, uh, Jordan Love? Uh, listening to Milwaukee radio up there, all they were mad and rightfully so because oh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers wants playmakers and they didn't give him one in the draft. So what did you think about the Packers uh, picking up Jordan Love? Do you think that was the right thing to do for setting up for their future or you should or they should have uh, made the draft pick or trying to give Rodgers some help now? I mean, when that happened, I couldn't help but do like a, oh, for Rodgers, he's <laughs> the playmakers, but they got a replacement instead, which not the best feeling to have, especially when you're an older quarterback. But if, even if you're going to build for the future, you still need those playmakers, and they still didn't do it. So they're, they're going to have this young quarterback also kind of learning with something that they were lacking sorely last year too. And they made it pretty far last year, even with not having that um, those offensive weapons. So I think I think they should have gave him one more year and gave him gave him something to work with because on as as non Packers fan as I am, they had if they had some magic they would have had a shot some playmakers they would have had a shot at that Super Bowl at least going deeper, but that was that was kind of brutal to watch that was brutal I felt bad just as a person <laughs> yeah. No, 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 yeah, Brittany, uh, what about what about the uh, the Vikings and the Lions? Because like Sid said, they've made some moves. Do you see either one of them perhaps maybe challenge the Bears for the NFC North? Vikings, yes. <sighs> Lions, I, I'm sorry. I know they made moves, but I might just be biased. Lions, I never, ever kind of are like, never seen as much of a threat. They, the Bears kind of always seem to get the upper hand on them. <laughs> but the Vikings, yes, the Vikings, I do think. I don't know. I like, it's just so crazy because two seasons ago, Bears were top of the NFC North and where they ended up last year, third and who in the Packers coming up from that season they had before. It's so just in, I don't know. I think it's just hard to predict, to predict at this point. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the way the NFL is. And it's been like that for a while, you know, a couple of teams that were on top the year before they, they fall off the following season and the teams that don't make the playoffs, of the previous season, at least a couple of them make that jump the following season. Let's go. Let's go broader into the NFL, Britt. I want to ask you about Tom Brady. After all the Super Bowls and the playoff appearances, New England and Bill Belichick, or as we call him on this show, Bill Belichick, kicked him out <laughs> yeah. the door. And now he's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, what do you expect from Tom Terrific in year one down in South Florida? Well, if they win a Super Bowl down there, I will. I might knock something over. I'm sorry. He's a talented quarterback. <laughs> He's a talented quarterback, but something about him, I'm just like, ah, I can't, can't do it. Can't do it. I was sick of him on the Patriots. And um, if he does turn stuff around in Florida and they do make a pretty deep run, I think that does bode well for how good of a leader he is. You can't deny he's a great quarterback. And if that happens, he, he, it, it solidifies the fact that he's a great leader. Um, but I'm, gosh, darn it, the Patriots. I, the, the Belichick and Brady, I just, ugh. 
I get a little, like, you know, <laughs> I want to say some swear words, but I'm not going to. That's how they, they, uh, I don't like them. And they're making, so you know how like the last dance obviously just happened? I heard they're yeah. making one about Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Not, not here for it. <laughs> don't, don't worry. At don't worry. You're not the only one to feel so exactly, I'm sure you're not. Exactly. So don't, don't feel bad. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I mean, well, let let let's talk about a team that you might like. That the Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champions. They basically have kept everybody. They've actually bringing back at least most, if not all, their guys back. So, do they have a chance to repeat? You think? I think so, especially with the way Mahomes is playing or has been playing. Oh my God, yeah. With all those pieces still together, I think they do have a good shot. And they were just fun to watch. That was a team whose offense was just exciting. Like those were games I would watch with no stake in them. Like I said, I, Bears games I'll watch, other NFL games I'll watch kind of on the periphery. Like I'll have them in the background or something. But Chiefs games are ones I would tune into and just watch because Mahomes is just such a delight to see play. Just the talent on him is just amazing. And oh God, I felt bad for Trubisky getting compared to him for that whole week when they were playing the Chiefs. Because that's, that's got to, like I said, that's a part you can't tune out. And it didn't, it didn't work well. Mm-hmm. It didn't work well. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Sid? Yeah, I want to ask um, Britt uh, if, if she has a surprise team that, that will shock the world in the NFL this year. We talked with Shay Pepler, who used to work here in Chicago. Now she's doing serious XM NFL radio. And I told her that the Arizona Cardinals will be my surprise team. And maybe the Dolphins, I'm, I'm not sure they're ready to take the next step. But, yep, yet, as far as playoffs are concerned, my team is the Arizona Cardinals. I think Kyler Murray will finish at least top 10 in the fantasy quarterback. Quarterback, if you play fantasy football, who do you have as, as a surprise team uh, this year in the NFL for 2020? Surprise team. I'm not going to lie. Like I said, I just said I don't like him, but if Brady's leadership is all that it's cracked up to be, the Bucks might be, might be that dark horse that comes out and solidifies his goatness. Well, they are in a tough division at yeah. NFC South. You know, Carolina has Teddy Bridgewater. Matt Ryan is still down there with Atlanta. They got Tyra Gurley, who they picked up from the Rams. And, of course, you have Drew Brees down there in New Orleans. It looks like they won't say it, but it looks like if you get that feeling, this might be his last ride down there. So we'll see what happens. But it's going to be a tough division, I think, this year in the NFL and the NFC South. So you bring up a pretty good point, Britt. Yeah, if he could pull it together down there, and like I said, in that tough division with all that talent – that that would solidify it. He is a great – he's obviously great with the rings he's got, but just leadership and kind of building from the ground up in the that late in his career, yeah, that would be a feat. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that, NF, that NFC South is probably going to be one of the, the toughest divisions next year. Another division I'd say in the NFC that's going to be very competitive is the NFC West. Like Sid said, Ariz- I-, I agree with him that Arizona could be that surprise team that kind of, not necessarily comes out of nowhere, but kind of like may surprise some people. Do you think that San Francisco will suffer like that Super Bowl, like hangover, burn up hangover that we saw with their fellow uh, NFC West 
team, the the Rams also. And Seattle's still there too. They've made some moves. So that's going to be a very tough division. What do you think about the NFC West? I know. I'm pulling for my guy, Jimmy G, Eastern alum. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. Should have known. And like, he's, he's done really well, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's, we've had him it was Tony Romo but not many come out of Eastern there's like maybe a dozen every 10 every decade that make it into the NFL and he has done really well has made a splash made it to Super Bowl got a ring thanks to Brady but he did step in that year for a lot of it so I yeah Jimmy G 49ers that's my that's my guy <laughs> Honestly, I, I love that. Known there was some favoritism coming. Yeah, I'm about to say, yeah. yeah. We should not We should not say, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with uh, pulling for your alma mater. That's fine. <laughs> it's a, what did uh, uh, the former Mayor Daly say? What's life without a little nepotism? Yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah a little bit. True. Yeah, yeah, it, it's true and it's very, <laughs> it's, it is. It's right, right on tune. Um, let's also call Lamar Jackson the, and the Ravens. They kind of, they had that upset loss to the Titans in the playoffs. What do you think about Baltimore's chances? They, they shored up that old line, which is what the thing that was a big issue for them last year. What do you think about Baltimore? Can they compete with KC for the AFC? Like you said, they're coming back slighted. They're coming back after an upset loss. They have something to prove, not only to make it to where they got, where they got knocked out, but to make it further. That's especially getting upset and getting kicked out. That's something that the team doesn't forget in the offseason. Yes, it's the next season's a new season, but that's, some, that's never going to be not in the back of their mind that they should have gone farther. So, yeah, they have something to prove this year. And I think they're going to come out fighting, come out swinging, and we'll see if they can make it. But definitely something to prove. I want to ask you, Britt, about the New England Patriots. I know they're going to uh, struggle this year. As of right now, Jerry Stidham is their quarterback. Uh, this is going to be a, a challenging year for head coach Bill Belichick, or as we call him, Bill Belichick. But do you think they'll make a upgrade at quarterback, uh, i.e. Cam Newton, or do you think uh, Belichick will be stubborn and just go with his guy just to prove something to, uh, to the NFL? I think just per- that's going to be a personality issue, and Bill- Belichick's going to be stubborn. He does not seem like the type to back down or to admit he's wrong or to play by the rules, as you guys like to call Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he's going to stick with his guns. And I don't think he's going to go with Cam Newton. He's going to stick and try and prove a point that he can do it as the head coach. I think that's with both. I think that's with both him and uh, Brady as well. I think they want to prove that mm-hmm. they can succeed without the other. I think that's what this all this is about. Ego with both yeah. of them. And Brady's got his buddy Gronk back too. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm yeah. shocked that he came back. I, I after talking to some friends, um, they did kind of bring up the fact that he was so beat up every season that he might have needed that year off to get his body better or his body fixed. But. I don't know. I'm excited to see Gronk back. He was just a personality to watch. Yeah, he's one of the big top personalities in the NFL, so it's great to see him back from that standpoint. And like you said, Britt, he needs that time off. And plus, he wanted to get away from that culture of New England as well because he was up the last few years. Imagine with the numbers he would have put up, you didn't get hurt so much at his third or fourth year in the league. So he's one of the best tight ends. Uh, in his era, so we'll see if he can improve down there, get get his career back together on track in Tampa. 
I wanted to ask you about the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, they're America's team. They always make headlines. Do you think they'll finally come to his senses and give Dak Prescott his money where the people think he deserves it or not? I don't know. I don't know. The Dallas Cowboys, that's honestly a team I don't follow very much. Um, other than my Tony Romo, but he's long gone from the sidelines in uniform anyway, but I don't know. Honestly, don't know. That one, I don't know. Well, yeah, hope, yeah go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You have a follow-up. <laughs> yeah, no, no, just, I just wanted to say, hopefully Dan will get his money and hopefully Jerry Jones and the Cowboys manager will come to their senses and just give him his money and and because they still have a good team down there to get back to the playoffs after missing it last year. You have a new head coach in Mike McCarthy who comes over from the Green Bay Packers, uh, won a Super Bowl with them, coached for that organization for 13-plus years. So Dallas has the tools to win. They have the structure at least on the roster in place to win, but we'll see what happens there. We're joined by Brittany Tulis of ABC TV and Fox TV Rockford, Illinois, right here with Second City Sports Zoom style. Let's go to baseball, Brittany. Of course, we, we're, we're going to talk about the White Sox in a minute, but right now, before we hopefully we get to see any games, um, ownership and players are fighting in front of the cameras, in front of the media, trying to get these negotiations um, uh, hopefully um, concluded sooner rather than later. What do you think about this uh, um, owner talking about cutting players' salaries and uh, having these strange guidelines, no spitting, no high-fiving, and people fighting, fighting back and forth like little kids. What do you think about all this? Well, I, I feel like I can see kind of both sides of the, especially the salary argument, because I, before working for the news station, I worked for the Rockford Icehawks, which is in the Blackhawks um, franchise. Mm -hmm. And ticket sales, the money that comes in from tickets helps pay people's salary, not just the players, but everybody in that organization and maybe the the parent company like maybe the the white Sox have um a, a lot of money to pay their staff the league underneath them it's like a trickle down and they don't get as much especially when ticket mm -hmm. sales aren't a thing and i understand that because like working for the ice hogs i was there monday through friday eight eight hours a day plus games so game days were 13 hour days and I was an unpaid intern because they didn't have enough to pay the interns. Mm -hmm. So I understand my boss was not getting paid very much either, even though he was the head broadcaster for the team. So I, I understand the financial impact that it would, that would come from not having ticket sales, but the, on the opposite side, these players work hard for the contract. That's the whole reason they're at the team is that contract. And while there are some big names that get big paychecks, not everybody does. Those minor league players don't get as big paychecks. And if you're cutting their salary too, that's kind of detrimental to them also. So I hope they figure it out. Um, but that's one, like I said, I could see both sides working for a sports team, knowing how little people in sports make that are behind the scenes. I understand the need to pay them especially since they're not, they haven't stopped working. Front offices haven't stopped working. Players mm -hmm. might not be there working out. Um, game games might not be happening, but front offices are still working. You still see these Twitter or these Instagram accounts coming out. You still see these off-season um, 
press releases coming out about moves from like trades and everything. So these people are still working and they deserve to also be paid. So it's, it's a tough one. I love, yeah, I love yeah, you bring up an interesting point as, as far as front office people, yeah, front, front office, front office uh, personnel working and like the, all the interns who's, who are still there during this tough time. So like I said, people don't, don't see the other side of it. They just see the high salary paid athletes um, making their noise in front of the media and thinking that's just all to it. But like you said, it's just more to it than that. Yeah, and like they said, they, they worked hard for that money too. So I can see the players' mm -hmm. argument. They might they signed a contract because they were promised X amount. They don't want to say, well, I know you signed this. I know we promised you this, but we're going to ask you to play for half of that. Right? Like, I, I can see their argument too. That's kind of uh, – that sucks. <laughs> like, I couldn't mm -hmm. imagine going to work and be like, okay, this is my salary. You know what? We're going to cut it in half because we're all falling on hard times. That would – that sucks too. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love. I love the. I love your perspective, because, like you said, you can see both sides of the argument. Because you've been, you've been there. You worked for a minor league team in hockey, so you you can see kind of like both sides of the argument and how people, you know, like you said that those those folks, the France people, are still getting paid even though there are no games playing. You know, the players haven't been there, so I can see your perspective on that. So I totally understand what you're saying. Just sucks. I hope baseball comes back, though. I would love to go. I love walking to Sox games and just sneaking yeah. in. Yeah. And cheap seats. <laughs> well, I love, I love the setup, though, from what, like, their work they're going to do, because I know they've been playing around with different types of scenarios. If they do decide, if they agree on something, hopefully they will. You know, you got the, the Cubs and the Sox going to be in, you know, the same divisions in this case, trying to condense everything. So mm -hmm. then we gotta, I got to hear about Cubs and White Sox fans going at it. I'm kind of neutral, so I love both the Cubs and the Sox, but uh, seeing like White Sox fans and Cubs fans trying to like fight, like the same division, it's, ah, 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 you, you, you be, you be quiet. <laughs> I, I told you, have known this for years about me, Sid. But uh, yeah, to see, to see fans of both, of both teams kind of like going back and forth, I mean, it's, it's going to be weird, but like you said, I, like I said, I hope, I hope they work it out because playing it around in media, I know a lot of people don't want to hear, especially with everything going on, you know, millions being unemployed, people being laid off or furloughed. I understand that, but they don't, I mean, you're, you're risking some of these players, you're risking their, their lives. And you're talking about being away from their families. It, it, it's just yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, especially like, um, I believe it's the, it's the NBA that is talking about having all of them come out, the players in like quarantine in a hotel while they're playing and just that's so much time away from their families and that's not it's already it's a a job where you don't see your family very often because you're on the road so much but to have that extra aspect to be like no you have to play go to your hotel no visits no nothing like that sucks and that their safety is just as important as ours and those sports even though baseball's not a, a huge contact sport you said the the dugouts the locker rooms close quarters it's it's tough and their safety is just as important as the fans safety close quarters yeah. too you got a lot of play you got a lot of players and managers and people it's like that's a good 30 or 40 people in some cases so that's going to be very condensed so they got to figure that out yeah yeah um was it the MLB that was talking about having players not even sit in the dugouts they were yeah. just like, the managers sit. I think yeah just imagine mm -hmm. the, the base coaches and stuff yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be interesting though. We'll, we'll I'll say that. Sid. 
Yeah. Since Brittany brought up basketball, let's transition over to the NBA, of course. As we've been saying on this program for the last few weeks, yep. the longer that this has gone on, uh, the regular season for the NBA is over now. Uh, they want to start off with the playoffs, but they don't want to start off uh, with a play-in tournament like the NHL uh, looks like they're going to do. We'll get into hockey later. But I want to ask Britt, uh, do you think that's a great idea for the NBA to start in as a, for a play-in tournament, or do you think they just go dive right into the playoffs? I think from a, if you're talking about money standpoint, from like viewership and stuff, play-in tournament would probably be their best bet. But if they want to just get it done and crown a champion, um, just head to the playoffs. And I think, honestly, for the players' well-being, yeah, I'm excited for the, the NHL play-in play tournament, but that's a lot of stress on the body to have them play all of those games. And then that shortens their off season to like very little. And those players need that recovery time. So I think for player safety, I would honestly, especially the NBA, because it's such a contact sport. It's such a close quarter sport. Um, just diving right into the playoffs. Because I mean, the NHL play in tournament, yes, it's exciting, but it, it gives like, Blackhawks weren't going to make the playoffs. I love them. They weren't going to make the playoffs, but it gives them right. that chance. And, um, yeah, I think just getting straight to the playoffs because it gives them time to rest, too. That, that offseason is so crucial to professional athletes to recover because during playoffs, they're, they're playing injured. They're playing fatigued. They need that time to rest before the regular season starts up again. A regular season workouts start up again. So I think for the players – safety and sake I, I getting just right to the playoffs yeah, money I brought up, yeah i brought up the point a couple of weeks ago that uh, uh, espn.com actually had this on their social media feed uh, for the last couple of days that they, they wanted to do like a, the nba wanted to do like a march madness uh, style of uh, ranking the, the top 16 teams uh eliminating both conferences and I said that would be a great idea for this year for the NBA to try because, you know, they wanted to do that for the last couple of years. There's been talk around that. I think for this year, it'll be great for them to do that. But here's the thing. One, the television networks, ESPN and Turner, they will have to sign off on it. And I don't know if they would long, uh, do it right now. They definitely don't want to do it long term going forward. But I think on the, on the flip side, though, I, well, number two, uh, you have your big market teams like the Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, you don't want them to be knocked down the first round or the second round because you want your big market teams there to sell the sport uh, once they get to the NBA Finals. But on the other side, you'll have since there will be no fans at these games, you'll have interest at an all-time high, and you'll see something new, something different. And I think fans will, will dig it, but I don't know if the NBA is ready to do that yet. I would, uh, if, if, if I was the commissioner, I would try it for at least for this year because we are on unprecedented times right now. Well, yeah, this year's kind of like a do what you got to do here. This would be the perfect year to exactly. do that. And it'll quench mm -hmm. everyone's or get everyone's March Madness fixed because that's something people look forward to every year. Granted, obviously college, but to have that same kind of format, people can do the brackets. People can get into it. I, I think this, that's, a, that's a great idea. I'm into that one. I mean, yeah, I mean, this, yeah, I mean, this will be kind of, like you said, this is going to be the year to kind of experiment with that. Cause like you said, so they've been wanting to do that for some time now. And yeah, I, I kind of like the idea too, but like you, but like y'all said, Sid, you got to be careful because you don't want to have both the Clippers and the Lakers compete each other in the first round. You want to get, try to get mm -hmm. them like as deep as possible, like later as possible. And maybe like in the, 
Final Four or Finals, however they're going to set it up. But Dame Lillard doesn't have – he hasn't had a very good week. Well, I'll say that because he's been, <laughs> he's been, like, very adamant about, like, no, no, I, I want to I be able to play to try to play in. So because – we live in standings. Portland was just like a couple of games out the about the Western Conference playoffs. So it, it been... was Portland, Sacramento, and New Orleans, New Orleans. trailing um, um yeah. Memphis by three and a half games. So it was like three teams bunched up. Yes, because his scenario said he wants to maybe like have a couple of tough couple of chances for the teams that were just outside the playoff contention mm-hmm. to kind of like try to see if they can knock out one of those teams and kind of play in there. That's why that's kind of like what he wants to do. So. What do you guys think about that scenario that Dame's uh, floating around? I mean, um, I, oh, I get that. Oh, go ahead. No, uh, I I'll, I'll say this. If they were going to do it in the Western Conference, they might as well do it in the East. But let's be honest here. The Eastern Conference, the, for the bottom two spots, there was no race. No. I'm sorry, Bulls fans, but your team wasn't going to make it anyway. No, so, it was. Uh, if, if, if they want to do it just for the rest of the conference, if they're going to do this March Madness Southside Tournament, go right ahead. Like you said, Britt, it's an unprecedented year. You just got to do what you got to do to get this season completed. Yeah, and um, like you said, it's, it's when one conference just has that like tight cluster of people who could make the playoffs given the – if the rest of the season uh, finished out how it should have, like they, they could have been vying for it. But when the other one has such a big disparity of like, mm, I think it'd be tough to do because you'd have to do it both on both sides. You couldn't do it just one and say if the bulls were somehow were to knock somebody out and make it in that, that would not, people would be mad. <laughs> That's all I mean. <laughs> People would be mixed. Understatement. <laughs> yeah. Like they win that game, but like that whole, trash season shouldn't they be they shouldn't even have that opportunity Sid? yeah uh, let's transition over to hockey now i know Brittany, like you said you worked for the rocker ice hogs but i know you're a big blackhawks fan just like i am um they, they're not officially in the playoffs yet but they're in this 2014 tournament they'll face the edmonton Oilers in the best three out of five series I'm not going to ask you yet to preview this series because it's just too early, but what were your initial thoughts when you heard that news come down from Commissioner Gary Babin uh, this past Tuesday? Well, I know Blackhawks fans everywhere were like, we did what? We're in what? We're in what? <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got a chance, yes? Because the Blackhawks have – they're so uh, – they're such like – they show up for the playoffs. They do. Not counting mm-hmm. the year they got knocked out the first round. That didn't happen. We're just going to move past that. But um, <laughs> exactly, yeah. they 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 could have made the playoffs if they it was it was a long shot. They had a chance. They did have a chance, but it was a long shot. So to have this opportunity, especially after both teams have been off for months, any momentum any team had, any like uh, valley any team was in, it can kind of be erased. It's a fresh start for everybody. So I'm very excited that they got this chance, and hopefully they use it. Yeah, yeah like you mentioned, Britt. Yeah. yeah, like you mentioned, they'll get a second chance. Of course, uh, they had injuries to key role players yep. all year long, like Calvin DeHaan, Andrew Shaw with his concussion, Drake Kajula. Looks like he'll be back healthy now when they start in in, in less than a month and a half or so. Um, I forgot who else was injured. Brent Seabro, of course, he yeah. he's not Seabro's available injured, this yeah. year. He'll be back hopefully sometime next year. 
And so it looks like for the Hawks, they'll be getting a couple of guys back in. Rookie defenseman Adam Bofors was yep. who was hurt at the time when when the pause uh, took place. So uh, for the Hawks, it looks like it's turning around. But uh, uh, like you said, Brett, they do have a chance. But I, you have some veterans that've been there before, like John Tays and Patrick Kane. They've been there before. So they do have an advantage there. But winning the whole thing, they do have a chance. But I'm not sure because uh, every, every team is going to start up in the same. Flat line turn to get their players back in back in shape. Uh, some of these players' skating conditions is, is different from others because everybody doesn't live in a big million dollar mansion and have a ring nearby. And so right. these uh, uh, these players have been quarantined just like us for the past couple of months. So it's going to take time for them to get their uh, timing back in just to get in shape. Period. Yeah, and like I said, the Blackhawks, the organization itself, I don't think was expecting to make it to the postseason. So those. Last minute moves they made, they traded Robin Leonard, their second goalie, yeah. um, for Martin Subban, who is, has been in the NHL for a hot minute, but his numbers don't, um, aren't as good as Leonard's. So I think they kind of might have shot themselves in the foot a little bit unknowingly and getting rid of Eric Gustafson, who's a great defenseman, a very offensive defenseman. And um, they weren't expecting to need them, and now they don't have them. So I think that's also another issue. And they're going up against a great offensive team like Edmonton. Oh, my goodness. They have the Art Ross winner and Connor McDavid. Both of them have more points than the Blackhawks leader, Kane. So... I, I had yeah, I had hopes for a second when I saw, oh, good, the Blackhawks are going to be in the playoffs in this scenario. They're like, oh, they got to play Edmonton. Like, oh, crap. Oh, crap, they got to play Edmonton. I'm <laughs> like, oh, no. Like, one of the, like, oh, come on. Like, oh, no. Connor McDonald. Oh, oh, Jesus. But, uh, I mean, the, the, the scenario with the NHL is, is weird because everything's, like, so condensed. And, like you said, mm-hmm. Britt, that they're going to have a very short off season. So, once all this is said and done, I mean, they're going to do, like, a best three out of five. It, it's just, like, especially with hockey, the body takes such a big beating in the, in the NHL. Well, actually, yeah. hockey in general. So it's going to be a – I think in the NHL's case, I understand what Gary Bettman is doing, but mm-hmm. it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess so once, once all this gets going. Yeah, that's another, like, that's another one where I, I'm excited to see the Blackhawks play. I'm thrilled to see them play again. But I think for the players' bodies' sakes, it, it might have been a little bit of a selfish call on Bettman's – Part because yes, especially like big market play Chicago, they included because they're going to have viewers, they're going to have people watching it, they're going to make more money on this. But hockey's such a brutal sport, and those guys put their bodies through the ringer in the postseason. You'll find out once the team gets knocked out, this guy was playing with a broken foot, this guy had like a some ACL injury. Like they will play through these injuries, and they need those months off to recover. That's when they get those surgeries that help them get better the next season. And with that off season being so short I don't I don't know I'm cons- I'm, a, I'm a little concerned that we might see repercussions from this in the future in the next season 2021 you brought up the Blackhawks organization early Brandon I'm talking about the changes uh, during this time within the front office of course John McDonough who I think is a marketing genius if uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman was smart he will hire him to uh, help market the NHL but that's a whole nother conversation a whole nother time <laughs> But uh, he was relieved of his duties, uh, and, and many Blackhawks fans voiced their opinion that uh, Sam Bowman, the current general manager, should have been the one that was let go. Where do you stand on that? I agree. 
Stan Bowman did not put together that dynasty. He, he was, it was not him. That was the guy before him. And since he took over his, uh, I agree. I agree. He, I'm, I was shocked that they kept him very shocked. He had, I know he was tech, He was a GM for the three championships, but he did not put that team together. He did not build that team. He was just there to reap the benefits. And I agree with the, he should have been let go. Now, so many Blackhawks fans have the same opinion as far as head coach Jeremy Compton is concerned. Of course, last year they came up a few points short of making the playoffs. This year they got out to another bad start, but they started to recover, but they started to struggle in game right before this shutdown. And of course, mm-hmm. there was a communication problems between him and the players. Uh, do you think that Jeremy Conte is the uh, head coach going forward, or do you think he's just hold, holding his seat for the next guy? I think Colleton had the odds stacked against him when he was called up with the way the organization handled Joe Quinville. Yeah. So Quinville, beloved, if they wanted to get rid of him, they should have done it in that previous offseason. They shouldn't have done it in the middle of that season at all. So Colleton was already coming up, taking this job as – after just one year in the AHL, um, I was my year with the Ice Hogs was Colleton's first and only full year in the in coaching in America because before that he was in Sweden. So very green and to have that very minimal track record in the U.S. as a head coach, and then to get called up to replace a beloved coach for years that was here um, stacked against him. Fans hated him, and it's just kind of an awkward position with the team knowing that this guy led this entire team three championships kind of helped them grow he had them from their rookie year until their eighth ninth tenth year in the season I mean in the league so the odds were stacked against him and he's he said he's been working with what he's got but Bowman's making the moves and he's not making great moves he's not giving him many things to work with. He's not putting together a dynasty team like the guy before him did. So I think Carlton has, was, was odds were stacked against him from the beginning. hundred percent. Yeah. Like you said, Brett, we had to give um, Dale talent credit. Of course, his name was on the first Stanley mm-hmm. cup in 2010, even though he was like, Oh, prior to that season. And Sam Bowman's uh, um, aggressive mode was let's win it, win the Stanley cup every year. But you, uh, especially with a hard salary cap, as you well know, in the NHL, you have to trade your young guys to, to match up with the veterans that you try to get rid of. Of course, uh, Bowman had to do that over the last few years to try to go for it now to win the Stanley Cup. It just hasn't panned out yet. Of course, uh, you like to reward your players with uh, nice contracts, but he gave that long contract um, to Marion Holter. He did great things here, but it was bad in the long term coming to it. And same thing with Duncan Kidd. You starting to see his age. Uh, showing up with him the last couple of years. Brent Seabrook, as you as uh, I mentioned before, um, nice contract, but the this, uh, this, uh, the money has not gone up in the salary cap too much. And so you're starting to see the yeah. uh, the bad decisions reflect now in this organization. And Sam Bowman is to blame for that. I, I'm all for the players give, uh, getting their money, but management has to give them their money. And, and Sam Bowman, he keeps swiping that credit card too many times. Eventually, you're going to have to pay and pay o- overtime big time. Yeah, and like you said, you keep giving these old guys contracts, and I, mm-hmm. I say old with love because those guys are great. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. They're not gonna be. They're not gonna be there to last their contract. You're gonna need young, fresh blood, 
and he's not giving the team room or money to get that. And you can't rely on a, a good draft pick because that means your team's got to suck. So it's, he's not my, not my favorite, not my favorite. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but do you, do you think that Collins gets a reprieve now that it looks like, that it looks like the Hawks will be able to get into playoffs that they kind of give a reprieve? I think he gets um, a clean slate. It's his first time in the, the quote unquote postseason in the NHL in the AHL, he did great in the post his first year. The Ice Hogs made it to the Western Conference Final. So he, he has, and he had a, a team full of 13 rookies. So he is, I do, I think he's a good coach. He brought that, he helped that team go from zero to hero because the year before they were last in the league. So he does have good coaching ability. And I think this will give him a chance to prove and even test his ability in the National Hockey League because, yes, he did great in the AHL, but it's a very different ballgame in the NHL. So this is his clean slate, and this is his chance to prove himself. Um, if it goes south, I don't know how forgiving the organization will be. Brilliant. The tools of ABC TV and Fox TV, Rockford, Illinois, joins us right here on Sega TV Sports Zoom style, along with Lakina McGee. I'm Sydney Brown. As we continue to talk uh, about the Chicago Blackhawks participating in this 2014 uh, specialized tournament that will take place in late July. Great. I know it's been a long time since we actually watched the Blackhawks play, but who are some of the new or fresh young players that, that impressed you so far this season? You have rookie defenseman Adam Boquist. You have Alex DeBrinkett uh, completing his third year. You have rookie Kirby Doc. Who's some of the uh, young players that impressed you uh, so far uh, this season? Doc. I like watching Doc. I think he's got great, great potential to grow. First year, and he's doing awesome. I forgot how many points he has. I wrote it down, but I don't know what I do with that sheet. But I think he has great potential to grow. Um, he's a great offensive mind. Like, he knows where to go before – the play even happens and that watching a player with that kind of hockey IQ is awesome and honestly um Rockford Icehog Matthew Highmore has been called up multiple times and is he a star player when he's out there no but he's holding his own he's a great bottom six when he is in for the team and just kind of watching him grow too and get his NHL legs is fun but I doc I love watching doc play I think he was a, a good buy. All right. Uh, since we have a few more minutes with you, uh, Brent, before you have to jet, uh, I, I want to start off with this fun question. You ready? It's multiple choice. Okay. Okay. I'll give, I gave you one ticket, one sports ticket. You have to go back in time. Which event would you like to hop back uh, in, into the time machine? I'll give you these four choices. One, the Bulls versus the Jazz back in 1998, Michael Jordan's last shot. Number two, the White Sox win the World Series over Houston in game four. Number three, the Patriots, and, uh, the 85 Bears being the Patriots in 1985. Or number four, uh, Flyers uh, versus the Blackhawks in 2010, Patrick Kane's uh, game-winning goal in game six. If I gave you one thing you had to go back in time, which one of those four events would you like to attend? That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the idea. <laughs> I would say... I would, I would see the 85 Bears just because that's the only team 
that I've loved my whole life that I have not seen win a championship. So 85 bears, I would love to go back and watch that, watch that magic happen. Hmm. No, no, not a bad answer. Yeah. We won't ask you how old you are, so we'll leave that alone. Yeah. We understand yeah. why. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> I missed it by a handful of years. <laughs> We won't say we won't we won't say anything, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, like you know, rap, rap as we're you know, like I said, we're like since we're wrapping things up with Brit, um, you know, it, it's sort of like it, you know, the whole sports landscape has changed with this new pa- with this pandemic. Do you think that they could be able to kind of get not necessarily like get back to where everything was, but do you think that people are going to be appreciating sports more, even people who don't really necessarily watch sports? We're sports fans, so we're going to come back regardless. Mm-hmm. But do you think it's going to be like there's since there's this hunger for, especially for escapism with everything that's going on right now? Do you think more people are going to be kind of like, okay, there's going to be this yearning for sports, or that you know, there's more appreciation for it now? I think so because we've never really lived in a world without it. Ever. I mean, the only, I think there's what, two days a year that there's absolutely no sports happening. Other than that, there's something constantly happening. So this is the first time we've had to, to go without. And I think there's going to be a, whether you're a sports fan or not, I think going to a game, going to get to do something, whatever it is, is going to, people are going to do it. And I think sports games, love to see Sox Stadium or Comiskey sold out just because people can go to games. That's just selfish dream, but I, I agree. I think people are going to show more interest, at least in the beginning, maybe not long-term, but at least for the first full year of sports we have after this, whether that starts with the NFL season in the fall or if it starts um, later, I think there's going to be uh, more interest in, initially in going to sports games. Thank for you, sure. Brent, for, yeah, thank you, Brent, for calling um, Sox Park, um, Comiskey Park or Sox Park. <laughs> oh, I'm not calling that corporate name, even though I do give no. my $16.96 every other Sunday, but thank you for calling <laughs> Sox Park. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. No, I will not call it the name. I will not call it the name. <laughs> just the arrow. Just so bad. Just so yeah, bad. It is. yeah, it is. It really is. I get the brand, but please, we have it hard enough. We don't yeah. need a red down arrow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but and speaking of that ballpark, what were some what were some of your best memories of going to uh, Sox Park? Um, whether it was uh, during your childhood years or your uh, young adult years, what were some of the best games and memories of, of you attending uh, games at Sox Park? I remember when we were little, we would go and we had this White Sox blanket. It was um, just like a I don't know, like six feet long police blanket, and we would bring. And we would hold it up and it was like, a big, I would love, we'd get on the Jumbotron and that was fun. But my favorite adult memory, um, I was, ran, it was after grad school. So I was living at home at my mom's house and it was like, I had a random Thursday off and the team had a random, like a two o'clock game. So like, I had nothing to do. So I walked up to Sox Park and I went into the, the ticket line and I was like, hey, how much are tickets behind the dugout? And he was like 170 and I was like, oh, okay. Can I have a $7 ticket <laughs> or can I have one of the $7 <laughs> tickets? And the guy was like, the ticket salesperson was like, are you here by yourself? And I was like, yeah, I'm just off today. just wanted to come catch a game. Just curious to see how much mm-hmm. the tickets were that were close. And he was like, look, give me $7 and just take this ticket. So I paid seven bucks and I was 10 rows behind the dugout. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. That was a good one. 
Yeah, White Sox cool. business says nothing like it. Yep. <laughs> I was like, regardless, I was going to be in that seat anyway, but at least my ticket showed it. Because when if an usher saw me sneak down, I've had to move before. It's not fun. No. Get, get the tail tucked, walk back. Oh. Try the other side of the park. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever yeah, works. Uh, Whatever works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I moved down a couple of times, uh, guys, uh, a couple of years ago, but since the people weren't going, showing up until a little bit last year, I did not get caught. So I, don't, I do not endorse it, but I just had to make a little small confession there. So, Britt, I know what you're talking about, oh, yeah. except for being removed. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've got to wait till at least the third inning because the latecomers will come in, and then you got to be like, oh, shoot, these aren't my seats? Okay. I'll go. Yeah, but yeah, after the third yeah. inning, if yeah. they're not yeah. there – Free for all. It's a free for yeah. all. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Favorite, oh, yeah. favorite Blackhawks memory if you attended any games during your childhood or adulthood? This one is, this is going to be another, oh God, you guys are going to think I'm horrible. So this was in their run in 2010 during, it was the, the Duncan Keith game where he got his teeth knocked out. Oh yeah. And he like picks oh, the teeth San Jose. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, me and my, my cousin used to work at the United Center. She was one of the like ushers or she would work at the United Center, but she was off that day. But her boyfriend who worked there was working that day. And so was their friend that was a boss. So he told us to print out something that looked like tickets and come up to his door. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so we, um, we did it. We got into the game. We were up um, the very last, last two seats. So the seats before standing room because standing room was full. Yeah, we got into the Western Conference series game for free in 2010 and watched it. It was awesome. You did not get kicked out? No. No removal? No removal. Nice. Nice. Into that game because we were in her boyfriend's section. So the usher that would have kicked us out. We, it's it's Southside stuff, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Right, right, right. We, we get it. We get it. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's now, a good one. Yeah. It's not what you know. It's who you who know. Who you that's know. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Mm -hmm. This is real life. So, Lakina. No, 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 no. I'm done, Sid. <laughs> I can't <laughs> top that. <laughs> All right. On 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 that note. <laughs> <laughs> Say thank you for you, Lakina. Um, Brittany, thank you so much for joining us here today. We're glad you uh, appreciate your presence on our show today. Where can people find you one more time on, uh, via your social media outlet? My Twitter is Brittany underscore Tulis, and my Instagram is BTulis. And just thank you guys again. This was so much fun. I'm missing sports so much in my life, and to get to talk it with you guys, a pleasure it was awesome thank you guys so much thank you it was always our pleasure it was great yeah yeah thank you for your time Brittany also we like to remind our, our listeners especially outside the Chicagoland area you go uh, even though you don't get uh, uh, the Fox TV and the ABC TV affiliate you can go to mystateline.com the website yep. to catch your, uh, your report is that right uh, Britt yes sir mystateline.com that's our that's our website Check it out. Uh, uh, it's absolutely, yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much, Brittany, for joining us today. Uh, keep up the great work. And, and once we get back into our uh, studio, we'd like to invite you, uh, invite you down. We'll have some more fun. Oh, heck yes. I'm so excited. Thank you guys so yeah. much. It was our pleasure. It was so much fun 
Britt, thank you. Yeah. Have a good one, guys. You too. Stay safe. Yeah, you too, Britt. All right. Okay. All right, Sid. Uh, where you want to Where you want to go next, Sid? Uh, let's uh, could, uh, wrap up with the NBA talk because, uh, like you mentioned with uh, Damian Lillard, I, I, I'm I'm with them as far as if you if you if they have a playing tournament with those teams that were uh, gathered up in the Western Conference, as we mentioned, Memphis has the number eight spot, but it was Portland, Sacramento, and New Orleans. Uh, if they want to have that uh, tournament with those teams involved with it, especially if you're going to have this March Madness style, light tight tournament, I'm all for it. Because you cannot have one in the East. You just can't because I know the Bulls were six or seven games out. They weren't going to make it. Same with the Washington Wizards. They weren't going to make it. Yeah, I think the yeah I think was the word the was like the closest like to the eighth spot or, or they're like I think they're like right below. Right, then the Bulls, right? It was yeah. Washington, then Chicago. That was yeah. in Chicago, mm-hmm. yeah. So they would not have gotten it. I think because they had like I think everybody had like about twelve or thirteen games left or something like that before everything stopped. So there was no way they were gonna, <laughs> there was no way the Bulls were going to make it. So it, it, it's sort of like okay, can we? Yeah, let, let's just get to the nitty gritty because they actually had a survey. They actually released a survey that I guess they did with all the the general managers and such, like they like they're split on pretty much everything. They're pretty much split on like, okay, how to resume the season. Do you resume it during like the regular season, finish that up, or maybe have like a tournament like Dame was talking about. And also probably others are saying that let's just get to the playoffs because that, you know, it was, it was supposed to be in the finals coming up in a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. like I said, everything's gotta be sorted out still, but it seems as though at least like unlike in baseball, the players and the owners in the NBA, like yeah. Adam Silver, they're all on the they're all on the same page. It seems. Yeah, everybody's getting their business together. Uh, like you said, uh, unlike MLB, where they like to fight in public. It's like uh, the way the the situation where our country's in right now. People don't want to hear about your bickering about money. And we talked about it regarding Blake Snell, the pitcher of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, uh, what he said. Now, do a lot of players feel the way that he felt as far as getting their salaries cut back? Yes, but you, it's just bad optics, and it wasn't the smart thing to do. And he was willing uh, willing to say it out in public. It wasn't like he was misquoting anything. You know, he said it out full right in front of a microphone on his podcast or whatever that was. But as far as baseball is concerned, the rest of baseball is concerned, is millionaires fighting with billionaires. And, and like you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Lakina, just keep that stuff behind closed doors and get it done. And, and think about the fans. I know we have to think about safety of the, of the players, in the, in the team and in the, in the other personnel, your front office folks. We get that. We truly do. But also think about the fans as well. Even though fans won't be attending this year, you know, they're still going to be watching on television. But really think about the fans first. We, we, know, we all know it's about safety first. We get that. But after that, think about the fans as well. Well, and also they're, they're talking about, like, no spitting, no, like, high fives mm-hmm. and – you know, no, no sunflower seeds. You can't do sunflower seeds. And he, Good luck so, with all that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and also, well, like we, we mentioned earlier in the, um, in the show that they're, they're talking about maybe, you know, not have just the manager and maybe like the first base coaches or, or third base coach or what have you, have them there yeah. and maybe not have the players like six to six free social distancing things. So it's going to be very hard to kind of implement a lot of this because baseball is such a – you know, you got a lot of players there. Yes, yes, you know, we'll, we'll talk about football in a, in a bit, a little bit more. But, you know, you have a lot of those guys in close quarters. So, like Brittany mentioned, so it's going to be very difficult, especially in baseball. So I would implore the, the owners and the players to kind of like, okay, let's, let's get together. Let, let, let's 
find a happy medium here. Yeah, you have to find a happy medium there. And like I said before, you have to think about the fans because they're the, the ultimate uh, group that, that's going to support you. Because as we mentioned during the interview with Brittany, that the fans uh, pay 40% of your of, of the, the organization's salaries, not just the place, but the front office and the scouts and the personnel as well. So I, I think they'll get it worked out in the end. But uh, let's just say this. I think we, we alluded to this before a couple of weeks ago. Should baseball not be seen this year? I don't. They will definitely not live this down. I'm not going to say it's going to be just as bad as the 94 strikes, but it'll be a very close second or perhaps 1A because we all remember what happened in 94. The uh, Yeah, one of the best individual seasons uh, ever, including our old Frank Thomas here in Chicago by individual players. You know, of course, Tony Gwynn was going to, Hit for our hundred, may it so rest in peace. Uh, I don't care what anybody said, he was going to do it. Yep, and he, was. he had three or four guys, including Frank Thomas, who was going to hit uh, for the 61 home runs at the time. Plus, the White Sox, along with Montreal, and a few other teams uh, were doing having their, their best seasons as a franchise. And th- that got cut short, of course, that led to no playoffs and no ultimately no World Series. So, if you're baseball right now, you have to think about the optics, and you have to think about if we don't get this season. Played, I don't care how many games is 82, 100, 90, or whatever. If you don't get a season going, uh, you're going to be forgotten about for a while to at least next season. While hockey and basketball, they're going to take over sports viewership for at least July and early August until the NFL season starts. I'm talking about the regular season starts in September. And if you're baseball, you definitely do not want to be forgotten. And this is your prime time of people watching your sport, even though it's a regional sport, until the playoffs start. If baseball is forgotten about, I don't think they'll be able to recover. Especially the age thing, because the age, medium age for baseball fans have in, has increased in the last five years. So mm-hmm. they've are, they've had problems getting younger people, younger than us, we won't say our ages, but right. <laughs> younger than <laughs> us to, to tune in. So if if there is no season this year in some form, good luck trying to get everybody to catch up because. Like you said, Sid, I mean, when ABA starts back up, when the NHL starts back up, when Premier League soccer, you know, that they're, they're going to start back up in a couple of weeks. You know, got other soccer leagues already, already like, you know, on the cusp or have started Bundesliga. The German League has already started already. So though, even those sports are probably going to surpass baseball because people, like we, like we said with Brittany earlier, I mean, people want sports. People want, like, live mm-hmm. action and escapism. Yeah. So... I mean, come on, baseball, y'all need to get it together because you're going to have a hard time getting not just younger fans, but also your current fans back as well. I heard, I heard someone make this point the other day, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, back in 1994 when the strike happened for baseball, you didn't have as many options back then. Yes, you had video games, you had a, a movies, but you didn't have social media. Cable TV was around, but you didn't have as many channels. You didn't have on demand and all this other stuff like you do now. And there was definitely no internet. Right now, people have so many options. You are not just the internet, social media, Netflix, Hulu. You can watch other things. And baseball should not be played this year because of economics. Uh, like, like we said before, they will be forgotten until 2021. People just have other options. Even they don't want to tune in for the whole tournament run of basketball and hockey. They can just go do other things until football season starts. That's both college and pro. 
Well, yeah, yeah. Well, especially if like some of the top teams that people know, like if if somehow the Blackhawks make the final. <laughs> Somehow, I'm not saying they will, but somehow, mm-hmm. and you know, on the uh, NBA side, if like if it's the Lakers and the Clippers, or like the Lakers and the Celtics, or Bucks and Lakers, or you know, Bucks, Clippers, Raptors, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be people are going to tune in, and if they're that's going on, you have baseball or no baseball, people are going to like forget about you. Yeah, and, and there's been 26 years since. Uh, the 94 strike they had baseball has had labor peace 26 consecutive years and their current cba which they're playing under right now it expires after the next season so yep. there's some uh, challenging times ahead for the game of baseball you don't want to set the precedent to not playing this year even though we're in an unprecedented time because of this pandemic due to economics and they you have to go back to the table again after next season uh i don't think it will be starting off on the right foot as far as that is concerned do you do you think they'll be able to kind of come to some sort of agreement here? Because it looks like right now it looks like that's not happening. I think I'm cautiously optimistic. I think they'll come to agreement now. Whether whether they start on July 4th that weekend, I'm not sure. That's a whole nother issue. I'd rather deal with that than have no baseball at all. But I think at the end they'll come. Uh, cooler heads will prevail on both sides, and they'll come to their senses. Because America is dying for baseball, especially. This is their prime time of year. You know, as the states are reopening back up. Of course, uh, the state that we live in, Illinois, they're getting back to reopening up. Of course, the city of Chicago, of course, Governor J.B. Pritzker and uh, Chicago's mayor, Ms. Lori Lightfoot, they both expressed they want uh, both the Sox and the clubs to play, even though there won't be no fans this year. They want both those teams to play here in Chicago. So I think there'll be some sentiment to, uh, uh, to, get, uh, to get something done. Yeah, I'm with you. I think there's there's too much money and a lot of people's sanities at stake as well. So I really mm-hmm. think that they will. I think they will. I, I think that cooler heads will prevail here. And I think especially since you got some players that are overseas right now and they probably can't get back to the state. So you got to that's another thing you got to think about, too. Mm-hmm. So you got to you got to start getting they work with the, the officials of those countries yep. um, to help bring those uh, foreign players up, uh, uh, back to the mainland. Well, plus, you know, tr- uh, spring training, you know, you got to have at least like three or four weeks of spring training mm-hmm. before you can kind of get, do you have to, do, do you play some type of spring training, a couple of spring training games, get everybody's feet wet again before we start this, uh, the regular season. So still a lot to sort out. And I mean, Rob Manfred has a lot to do, a lot, lot of work to do here in this, this respect. Yeah. They got some sort of deadline, just hope they'll meet it on time. Like you say, they don't have, they do not have a lot of time. So they can get it done. And also with the with, you know, with the NFL, um, they you know had a couple of days ago they just sent them out to all the all the teams saying that the coaches will be able to kind of return to their facilities since like we've been saying you know states are starting to ease restrictions you know some mm-hmm. states are opening up so that's that, that's big because the off season is sort of like right in the middle of the off season for these guys so you'll be. I'm sure it's going to be like the same rules that not have so many guys there, maybe just have the rookies there to kind of, you know, do some type of workouts and camps and stuff like that to kind of get everybody's feet wet. I know Tom Bray's been, you know, working out with some of his, some of his receivers down in his home in Florida. So I think this is sort of like, okay, you know what, let, let, let's take some steps here. Let, let's sort of like take some baby steps and sort of kind of get back to some normalcy. Yeah. As Britt mentioned during our interview with her, now you want to, uh, we talked about it as far as crowd control. You want to set the expectations low, but just in case things improve, then you got to start gradually getting back to some normalcy. 
Now, as we talked about for the last couple of months, Lakina, uh, the training camps for the NFL, assuming that they'll start all the time, which I, I think they will, um, training camp is going to be so much important, more that much more important because, uh, like you mentioned, uh, players usually work out in these OTAs and, and these mini camps. We didn't have that this year. You had virtual workouts, which is not the same, but uh, teams were uh, were able to monitor their guys via Zoom as far as working out is concerned. They were they couldn't be there live in person to see them progress or or digress. It depends mm-hmm. on who you were as far as the workouts are concerned. <laughs> training camp is going to be that much important, especially with the new guidelines that the league has has put in. So, I, I uh, it's going to take some time uh, for them for the players to get. You should be already in shape, but for the systems that these teams are trying to run, and then for the conditioning is we all know or already know that it's going to take time because of what the weather is weather is uh, at this time of year, but it's going to be that much more important because of camaraderie you got to develop with guys because we all know right now they'll, they will be wrapping up, hanging out, actually working on some drills as a team, and you you don't have that right now because, like you said, states are starting to open up. we all been in quarantine for the past couple of months. So uh, training camp this year is going to be more important than ever before. Yeah, I mean, you're going you're gonna to be risking a lot of injuries for some of these yeah, guys, mm-hmm. so you have to, like, there has to be some type of workout, some type of camps involved, because so, some guys might have, you know, listen, a lot of these guys are not millionaires. They don't have gyms at their house. I know we, we're, it's a broken record like we've been saying this, but they don't have mm-hmm. gyms at their house. They don't have personal trainers. They can, you know, meet through Zoom, so you kind of have to need these sort of one-on-one, maybe to have, like, these sort of, like, working with the strength conditioning coach, especially the rookies, rookies, so... And also the free agents, the rookie free agents too. So you kind of like have to get that going in order to see, okay, what do you need to do? You know, memorize the playbooks, especially if it's some type of scheme that you're not used to doing in college. So I think all that's kind of have to manifest. Yeah, like you said, all of them have to manifest within themselves. And and like we said before, it's going to take time. And like you said, watch out for the uh, injury risk factor as well because like you said, that they're not there with the trainers and with the doctors one on one face to face. So that's going to be important. Uh, I will say this: I, I kind of uh, because of what we do, I have to look at the NFL preseason. But you know as well as I do, if I say that the training camp is much more important this year than ever before, the preseason games will be uh, that much bigger for 2020 as well because you're going to see a, a, a lot of guys trying to figure themselves out and and trying to get into some type of condition and also learn the systems of, of that particular team as well. So preseason is going to be, be that much important. I'm not going to say bigger than the regular season, but it's it's going to be uh, that much more important. Teams cannot just quote unquote hold hum through the preseason, not this year. Yeah, so I would be surprised if you see, if you see a, lot of, a lot of coaches sort of play their first string guys, especially mm-hmm. depending on how many preseason games there are. If there is going to be like maybe two or three, maybe not four. You may mm-hmm. see some of these teams, you know, the Bears especially, to kind of, <laughs> to kind of like, you know, just so that they can, people can kind of get the schemes, you know, get used to the schemes and get into a rhythm. Because, like you said, so they'd be doing all this already. You know, you've had like mini camps and rookie mini camps and, you know, rookie camps and such. So they haven't mm-hmm. had that. So I think that, yeah, this is going to be sort of one of those things where this is going to be very interesting how all, the, how all this goes, how teams respond to it. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. All right. Um, 
let's see what else. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Like, there's someone else that that uh, that we wanted to talk about today. Um, Jamal Adams, the talented, <laughs> the talented uh, Jet Star. Uh, I don't know what's going on. This has been going on for like the last, like since last season when he was on the market and that, you know, the Jets kind of put out that he's on the market, but then he's not. And he's not saying some really nice things about the Jets. So what do you, <laughs> what do you think about the Jamal Adams situation? <laughs> I know he has a couple of years left on his contract. I'm all for players getting their money, especially in NFL, only 30% of their contracts are guaranteed. Yeah. So I'm going to understand where he's coming from, from his end. Also, kind of thing where uh, New York Jets management is coming from too, because we didn't want to invest all this money into you, but we cannot pay uh, Sam Darnold if it turns out to be any good this year after having an injury riddled year in 2019. We also got to pay some other guys as well. We might want to look at some free agents down the road as well. So if we pour all of our money into you, we cannot pay our star quarterback if he turns out to be good, i.e. Sam Darnold. Uh, we can't pay some of our key defensive, other defensive guys as well. And this is what happens when you have a, even though the salary cap keeps going up in the NFL every year, you know, if your quarterback's any good, he's going to get the franchise tag, he's going to get that big-time contract. You, you can't uh, spread the money around to, to pay anybody else either. Everybody wants to get paid, but everybody does not get paid. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Jets do, especially after uh, this uh, upcoming 2020 season especially since the AFC East is there for the taking now. Yeah, it's wide open for the first time in 20 years. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so I'm sure they're going to have to figure it out in some, in some way. Uh, I love Melvin Gordon's uh, quote from earlier as the prospect of you know, NFL games being without fans. said, listen, he played for the Chargers for years, so he's used to it. So that, that's prepped. <laughs> yeah, it was – yeah, I, I must say, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's actually a pretty funny quote, so y'all look it up. I'm paraphrasing what Melvin said, but uh, – down with the Broncos, so which is totally different in, in that respect. But uh, I mean, it's going back to the college ranks for a second. Um, now the NCAA has has kind of given you know conferences and schools the green light to kind of resume workouts. You know, they're letting them return to campus. They actually have a plan now, which I'm glad because you're, you're hearing like all these coaches and some of these you know these commissioners like, okay, where's the NCAA in this? Because they need to kind of step in and say, okay, look, here's a plan of what you can do and what you can't do, and, like, we'll, we'll figure it out. So what do you think about the NCAA's plan for, like, you know, reopening the campuses for the athletes? I'm glad that schools are taking this into their own hands because Mark Emmert, the president of NCAA, we all know that, that that's been a crooked organization forever. It's not just the president's fault. It's been other people before him that, that led that organization. So uh, I'm not surprised by that. You know that if you pay the – very close. You know, the, S, the SEC, the Alabama Conference, as I like to call it, they wanted, they didn't care what happened in the outside world. They were like, we're going to go ahead and do what we want to do, what we got to do. We're going to get these games played. Yeah, we're going to follow some protocols as far as safety is concerned, but we're going to play football no matter what. Forget all these other conferences. We're going to do what we want to do. But in, in all seriousness, I'm glad to see some of these players get back on campus and uh, to work out at the facilities with these new guidelines. So hopefully when, when they, if they can get back all of the other students uh, for the fall, as far as classes are concerned, and then to get the rest of the teams together, and then we'll start to see some improvement. As we talked about with Brittany uh, during our interview, um, uh, I think the, the players will be fine. They want to play yep. and, and, and they need to play. 
of course, most of those, uh, not all those athletes are scholarship athletes, so and they have more than enough incentive to play. So uh, they'll be fine. I'm just worried about uh, the fans. As I predicted on this show, we talked about it for the last few weeks, Lakina. Uh, you're not going to see a, a packed house anymore, at least not for this season anyway. You're going to see anywhere from 25% to maybe half. And that's being a little bit optimistic when I say half. But I think especially as college football, just like the NFL is presented as a television sport, when it's the first shot you see after these networks do their little music TV intros, the shot of the crowd. Yeah, no network wants to do a shot of a stadium and then go inside where there's no fans. That's just not going to happen. That's why it comes down to money. I think we'll see between 25 and perhaps 50% of, uh, of capacity for these, for these college football games. Now, the NFL is in a per- perfect position to sit back and watch and say, hey, college football did this, but we can tweak this for us when we start in September as far as the regular season is concerned. College football is not doing this. We can do this. We're not going to do that as college football is doing this. So watch to get Goodell is in a perfect position as far as the NFL is concerned. They can tweak their plans to see what to do and what not to do as far as um, fans coming in and, and crowd control and how many fans would they lay in the stadium. Well, some of these commissioners actually reach out to Goodell to kind of like, I guess, try to pick his brain on like what to do and what not to do and what, what they should do. And networks have already said on, on the NFL side, I'm, I'm, I'm saying they're already talking about maybe pumping in some crowd noise. That's sort of like been the dirty little secret, you know, pumping in crowd noise kind of make it seem mm-hmm. like, okay, there are like fans out there and the excitement. I've said it before. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they do what the Korean soccer league is doing having like cutouts of fans. I think they're doing it in some, some of the matches in, in uh, Germany too, like cutouts of fans, you know, have them pay like a fee, you know, have, you know, fans posters, like little like cutouts of fans in the stands and like pump in some mm-hmm. noise so that, okay, you don't have like that without people there, you know, you gotta, you know, they gotta pay a fee, like depending, I guess, where mm-hmm. you're sitting. So that might be the route to go. That way they can make money. They can have like, you know, fans there, so to speak. And then mm-hmm. kind of like they can make a profit. Yeah, I can see the NFL do something like that if it comes to that. But like I said before, heaven forbid, I do mean heaven forbid, if it takes a turn for the worse, you're not going to see fans at these NFL games, which will affect college football as well. But you will see fans uh, in these NFL stadiums um, for this year. How many is the question? What's the capacity? Yeah, I mean, I'll see you'll see it on more like maybe half, maybe like with the college because. Mm-hmm. We've we've been saying it for the last few weeks. You're not going to see 110,000 in the big house. No. This, in this fall, you're not. You're not going to see like 80, 90,000 over at the Horseshoe. You're not going to see like 100,000 at Bryant Denny Stadium in in Alabama, Tuscaloosa. You're not going to see it. You just mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. So I mean, this is sort of like something that the school's going to have to figure out, and maybe. Are we like I said? I brought with Brittany earlier. Um, are you going to have like the season holders? Or are you going to have students? Assume they're going to be on campus. So there's still a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that is really has to figure out. Yeah, and as far as students students being on campus, it's just like some of, some of our nine to five jobs for the people that's listening to us. I know, I know many of us, not me personally, but many of us have been working from home yep. for the last couple of months. And, and, and I said this on D&D, it's the flip last week. I have a family friend who lives in my building, and she, she was asked about her boss via email, like, um, we may want you to stay home to, 
to do your work and, and, and my family friend said she wouldn't mind doing it. So I think for, as far as college is concerned, uh, uh, do you really need students on campus? If you do, you may have to have a rotation. You may come on this day or come on that day, or we don't need you at all, but you still have to take this class. You could just do it online at home. So I think that obviously that's going to be the new normal going along. So I, uh, I think students eventually will be back on campus and they're coming from all over, not just from across our great country, United States, they're coming from all over the world. I think it'll, it will be a, uh, a population control because do you really, I don't know what, what university you went to, Lakina, but uh, I went to NIU and uh, uh, just like any other university, it's packed with students just getting around and walking around all day. And if, when you really think about it at, at the end of the day, do you really, especially now with technology being advanced as it is when we were in school, do you really need all those people at the university? No, mm. no. If you just take a few classes uh, online at home, uh, as long as you're still getting your, your credits towards your degree, do you really have to be there for every day for all of your classes? If the answer is no, there's your answer right there. I'm not sitting here saying I got all the answers because I don't, but they'll definitely come down on the population of students being all on campus at once. Well, I went to St. Xavier, so it's a small, like, small NAIA school, so okay. the, you didn't have to worry about all that crowd control and stuff. Everyone was pretty much spread out, so yeah. I would say schools like that, schools like where Brittany attended EIU, Eastern Illinois, yeah. it's not very big, so you don't have to worry about, like, such a big, like, massive crowds like NIU and, like, U of mm -hmm. I, so yeah. that's not going to be a, some of the smaller schools will probably have a little bit of an easier time than, like, some of the bigger schools. If they want to put have students there or you know for their games you know they can do that you know by crowd control like that will be a big problem security like Brittany said i mean especially some of these college towns that don't have a lot of security where everything's pretty much open area it's not going to work so you're going to have to kind of implement some type of rules to kind of like make sure it's not too many people like there's nobody goes to like certain places that are restricted so a lot of this stuff they're going to have to figure out yeah, and like you said before, hopefully these big schools will take some cues from these, like you said, smaller schools and how, how, how they manage to, uh, uh, student population walking around on campus. And so they'll have to manage how to cut that down. Like I said before, if your classes, are, you can mostly take them online. Maybe you have to come in on campus every once in a while. That's the way you're going to have to do it because you, uh, those days of having just a bunch of people on campus is over for now. It'll probably be over for good. So. We had to get to, to this new normal normal for uh, for everyone. So it's going to be interesting to see how these big time campuses, like you said, U of I, Michigan, Texas, how they handle handle the uh, the population on the campus all at once. Yeah, because you see in some of those bigger schools, you see about like 60, 70 people in some of those classes. You're like, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, that's yeah, that, that, that's gone. That's, that's uh, yeah, gone. that's that's gone. If not, yeah. if, if not forever, or it's gonna be gone mm -hmm. for a while. So yeah, mm -hmm. that that's yeah, that that that's the thing that they're gonna have to think about because you know, like you're gonna talk about crowd control and such. So the smaller schools won't have a big issue. The issues this is gonna be with the, like the bigger, the much bigger schools, like you just mentioned. All right, uh, the Bulls. Um, there's a lot of like talk that maybe that there's a little bit of division that apparently Reinsdorf and Pax, they want Jim Boylan to stay. While as a new guy, Arturus Kronischewicz and Mark, Ever Mark Everly, who is the new 
you know, head of basketball operations and GM respectfully, they they want him gone. This suppose this is what this this is the report that's going around. So again, take it for how how much <laughs> take it for what it's worth. Uh if 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 that's true, this is like the dumbest thing ever. Like you stay over there, Jerry Reinsdorf. You don't you said yourself you don't really care about the Bulls anyway, so mm-hmm. Like you stay over there and packs, you're you're upstairs now. So you you stay upstairs and let <laughs> let Artuis, let AK and Mark do their job. You couldn't say any better, Lakina. This is why you brought new blood in to make those decisions, and you still want to have control over them. That's not good. That's not the way to get off to a, a new start with a new regime. Like you said, Lakina, make that let people in the operations in the case with the Bulls. Let those people that you hired that make basketball decisions make basketball decisions. You got to trust in what they do, and you have to sign off of it. That's it. And this is the way the Bulls want to start off. This is not good so far. They've been getting great PR for the last couple of months because, you know, things have been going so bad both on and off the court for the last few years with them being a lack of a, a consistent winner or a playoff team. Uh, I, I don't – if you believe the reports, I don't like the way this is going so far. Just, just keep it simple. Let your basketball people make basketball decisions. Leave them alone. You got to trust in what they do. You brought them here for a reason. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you, Sid. I mean, if this is, if this is true again, I, I, like I said, this is could, you know, take it for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this isn't a good look because you already got people say, okay, you know what? Maybe I want to, maybe I might want to come to Chicago when my contract's up, or maybe I want to be traded there. This doesn't help. You, you know that, especially since they're going to be finished well out of the playoff spot, and you still want to keep them, even though I'm sure they want to bring their uh, AK and Mark Evers, they're going to want to bring their own guy. No, don't do that. Because you're, you're going to ruin all the good PR that you've had. Yeah. Like I said, just leave them alone. You had to trust in this. It's just, just sign off all of it and hope for the best. Yeah, that's all, that's all you can do. Um, the last dance, even though it's been over a week since the last par- two, co- two parts there. <laughs> I know, I know. But the, the whole run derby that's going to be in 98, that's going to you know, be up in a couple of weeks. So. That's the one I'm waiting for in a couple of weeks. I cannot wait for that. Yeah, that should, be, that, that should be fun. Yeah, Yeah, that's what brought baseball back. Me personally, even though I'm a White Sox fan, I was attending games, unfortunately, immediately following the 94 strike. <laughs> but, many, but many fans, that's what brought them back, was say 98 home run was between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. And we all know uh, how that ended up. Baseball, it got baseball fans back into the game, but it turned out to be a farce for both of them. Even though baseball didn't have any rules at the time for use, for PED use, but uh, <laughs> well, there's so many avenues we can go uh, along with that. We'll, we'll get to it as the yeah, we'll 30 for 30 per, uh, premiere. But uh, I, I'd like to see uh, how honest both Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa are uh, uh, during that documentary. I want to see what they really reveal because we all know that before 98, Sammy Sosa was barely a 30-30 guy, 30 yep. bases, 30 home runs. Uh, following 98, he changed more ways than one. We'll leave it there. Yeah. Well, well McGuire was actually consistent. He was actually like he was part of the Bash Brothers with Jose Canseco. Mm-hmm. And he was actually like, you know, he actually had pretty high home, home run numbers even before then. So, but we all know yeah. he mm-hmm. hung out with Canseco. So, again, take that for what it's worth. We'll see how we'll see we'll see how far he delves into that. But oh, Canseco was in a documentary. Even though uh, people didn't believe him at the time, people gave him the side eye. Now he was telling the truth. 
even though at times he stuck his foot in his mouth, he told the truth. I wonder if they interviewed him for this documentary. I hope they did. I hope. I hope so too. I hope so too, because he was sort of like the big brunt of all how all this started. And mm-hmm. I hope, and I hope, like the uh, the baseball people are like are honest with themselves and try to be like all high and mighty now. Like those guys shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, but like they were the reasons that baseball was brought back because you guys were in the doldrums exactly. those first couple years mm-hmm. after you guys got back from the strike. So let, let, let let's see how some of them are will admit that the okay, yeah, because everybody knew what was going on. Everybody knew. Mm-hmm. You can't sit there and say that you didn't. So now you you trying to be like all like high and mighty, not let these guys in, please. See, I, I can't wait for this because I can't wait to, like, to start posting about it because I'm going to like, yeah, I'm going to, this should be very interesting. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, Sid? Sid? Uh-oh. I think we were, we were, we were doing so well, but Sid's uh, feed went, went froze. But uh, yeah, so like I said, this, you know, we got the, the home run derby about the 98 home run. Oh, there you are. <laughs> yeah, okay. I just want to say real quick, you know, now former Commissioner Bud Seeliger, who was the, um, the head of, of, of baseball at that time, he turned a blind eye, and of course, you saw what he did when Barry yep. Bonds was chasing Hank Aaron's all-time record. So uh, I want to hear and see stories uh, from every angle, but we have to wait again for a couple of weeks. So, like you say, again, I hope everybody involved was honest with themselves. Yeah, absolutely. This, this is where we want honesty. So, like I was saying with the with the last dance, um, it's still getting a lot of uh, play and buzz. You know, it's been over a week. Uh, Horace Grant not very happy about how he got. Pre- trades in the dock uh was on a cap show uh saying that it, it was all all this stuff was a uh, all bs and it was all bull place lie and uh, like it, it's sort of like one of those things where i'm like oh lord we're still oh gosh like everyone's still mad about this after all these years so what do you think about that we talked about uh, what Cheryl raced out uh last week but i want to like delve into it a little bit more yeah uh, as, uh, as I wanted to say, um, it was, uh, sour grace by Horace Graham. We all know that he was the forgotten guy. Even though us as Bulls fans, as basketball fans, if you really paid attention to the game, he was very important to those first three P championship things for the Bulls. And so I can understand why he felt the way that he did. He got outslighted because, let's be honest here, he was, he was brought onto the team to rebound and play defense. Now, one offensive play was called for him. And he averaged close to double figures. He had a couple good games that he yep. had close to 20 points and 10 rebounds. So he kind of had an all-around game, but he was uh, he, he was a starter to play defense and rebound, and he did a heck of a job at it. But with that being said, this is just sour grapes here. I don't know if him and Michael are going to, as you say, hug it out anytime soon, but it was just all sour grapes there. So uh, hopefully cool heads will prevail. Uh, it's it just some sour grapes there. Also, some more stuff that came out. Uh, apparently, there was audio that showed um, MJ and I think a couple of other players from that dream team not wanting Isaiah Thomas to be on that team. We've known that we've known about this for a while, but apparently now there's audio. So, what do you think about that news that came out? A uh, couple of things here, like you said a couple of weeks ago. Like, you know, I'm sick of hearing it. We, we, of course, we grew up. We knew some of the backstories about yep. how Isaiah did not get on the '92 Dream Team. Of course, um, uh, he had people turning their heads away from him when he was playing uh, yeah. in the league back then. I'm just so sick of it. I, I, you, you know, we, <laughs> we cannot change history. We have to accept the facts of what they are. We have to move forward. I know some people wanted to call Jordan a liar. He said what he said in the documentary. Uh, you know, uh, people want to have these debates. Well, will this uh, ruin Michael's reputation and all that? 
you don't want, you're not going to care at the end of the day. You really don't. He's still arguably the greatest player that ever played a game. Him and Isaiah don't like each other. I wish they would hug it out, but I don't think it's not going to be that way anytime soon. It's just like, okay, it's been 30 years, okay? You you cannot change history. Uh, Was Isaiah Thomas at that time talented enough to be on that team? Yes, that's not the debate. The the issue is why he wasn't on that team. It's just simple. He turned a lot of people's heads the wrong direction, not to look at him and and cause people to distrust him. That's the issue here. His talent was not the issue. His personality was the issue. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll probably never really get into like the real, real, real reason why mm-hmm. he was he was left off the team. I mean, you know, Chuck Daly. You know, I'm sure he'll know. But we'll God rest his soul. We'll never know. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was maybe it was his decision. Who knows? Maybe he didn't think that he could work with the players that he was able to end up coaching. So. Well, again, we'll never know. I'm hoping that MJ and Isaiah will hug it out at some point because they're both yeah, y'all y'all grown men now. You guys are in some cases you guys are both grandfather grandfathers now. So let's do it for the kids. That's all. <laughs> well, you guys did. Uh, uh, one last thing uh, before we uh, head out for this week. My article at weallegalradio.com is out uh, as far as the NHL plan to return to action is out. Uh, so go uh, check that out. I just want to wrap up by saying this for the, uh, for the NHL. It's great to see the Blackhawks uh, back in the playoffs, even though it's technically not the playoffs yet. But you have some of your uh, big-time markets that are participating in this. Uh, I think all the original six teams are part yeah. of this. Yep. You, you have uh, the Rangers, your two New York teams, the Rangers, the Islands, even though Islands are not the original six. But you also have Boston, who they were in it originally. They were, yeah, but, they were like, yeah, yeah, weren't they like the top team already, Boston top, was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And also you have Toronto, who, uh, even though they let go of Mike Babcock early in the season, they caught fire. So they were in it originally anyway. You also have your Canadian teams in Calgary, Vancouver, Montreal. And, of course, I just mentioned um, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So uh, just as much as important to have your big USA market teams in there, you have your – uh, Canadian teams in there as well. Also, you had to mention Edmonton, who the Hawks are yes. going to face as well. So you got just about every Canadian team in there. So from a marketing standpoint, from an interest level standpoint, at least in the beginning, you're going to have your uh, big-time important teams in this tournament. So it's going to raise some eyebrows, even though the fans cannot attend. It's going to raise some eyebrows to see uh, how these teams compete and uh, who, to, see, to see who moves on. Because we all know the NHL, just like all these three other major sports, you need your big market teams uh, in your championship rounds to sell the sport. Yeah, I mean, I will also say, like, where are they going to play these games? I know Chicago mm-hmm. was on the list of having perhaps maybe where these games are going to be played, but I mean, I don't, are you going to be able to, do, you got to find the availability of some of these arenas, some of these stadiums, because some of them are, have been closed all mm-hmm. these months, these last couple of months. So it's a lot of, I think, I think even Gary Bedden, I'll give him, I'll give him credit for this. He admitted that there's still a lot of stuff to kind of figure out. But I, I, I'm sure they will. They've got a little bit of time before mm-hmm. they can, you know, they start like, you know, they're going to have like a trade, like a three or four week, you know, camp, you know, to get everybody yeah. back in shape. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Because like, like Riddy said, I mean, it's going to be, they're going to have a short offseason, whoever wins it, because they got to, about a month later, they got to go right back into training for training camp. So it's going to be, it's going to be very tight for some, for some of the, the people, the, the teams that go, end up going very far. Yeah, as I pointed out before uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, the NHL's plans are to start uh, the 2020-21 season 
maybe in mid to late November into December and then just run right through because they, their players won't be participating in the Winter Olympics next year. So um, it, it, whoever's left in the Stanley Cup final is going to be a short offseason. I think it ends in, assuming that everything goes according to plan, it ends in, on Labor Day. Yeah, in which right is in Labor Day September. Yeah. You get the rest of September off, October. You'll probably have to start in mid-November if you're going to do any preseason games. So you'll probably start the regular season probably mid to late November at the earliest. So uh, it's going to be interesting to, to jam all these games in. Yeah, same with the NBA because you got the Olympics next. You got the Summer yeah. Olympics next next year, and yeah. you're already talking about you may you may wait and start the season around Christmas time, which I always felt that they should have done that anyway these last few years because no one really other, other besides us nobody really pays attention to the NBA <laughs> until around right. Christmas Not time. Not the first couple of months, no. Hmm. No, so I would say like okay, they're gonna stretch out to maybe July, but the Olympics are like a month after, so you mm-hmm. may have some guys that may not want to participate, and he's. A lot, of, a lot of these guys actually want to participate in the next mm-hmm. summer Olympics in Tokyo. So this is another thing that they're going to have to figure – that the NBA is going to have to figure out. So there's a lot of, like, stuff going on that people are going to have to – like, there's going to be a lot of, like, brainstorming and whatnot. Yeah, these leagues just had to get creative, creative and uh, have, uh, have plans to, uh, of the, uh, to hold it together to, to see that the 2020-21 seasons of their particular sport go off without a hitch. And, and that's why you have those people at, at those positions to have these plans and, and thinking far ahead. You had to be, if anything that this situation has taught us, you know, you have to be two to three steps ahead. And so, and that's what uh, these leagues are facing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see, like, especially all the, all the major leagues. I mean, the NBL and NFL seems like, okay, you know what, we're going to, we're going to go as business as usual, but we're also going to take like precautions in case, you know, God forbid something happens. So, Mm-hmm. That's going to be a thing, and also the NBA seems like they're they're taking their time as well. The NHL's taking their time. MLB they just need to get their labor stuff together before they can do really do anything right now. So get the labor stuff, get labor peace, and then maybe you start like figuring out okay how you're going to do this. So the NCAA seems like they're finally stepping in and say okay you know what this is how we're going to do this. this is how the team's going to do it because you've had like conferences and schools kind of like going at it by themselves, which you don't want that. So I'm glad that the NCAA is at least trying to kind of step mm-hmm. in and say, okay, let, let's do this. Let's do it this way. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, you got anything else, Sid? Uh, I'm pretty much good for this week. It's been, a, it's been another great show. We'd like to thank Ms. Brittany Tulis of ABC TV and Fox TV in Rockford, Illinois. You can follow her on, on – just Google her on, on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can watch her reports. Uh, outside of the Chicago Lane Market at mystateline.com. Once again, it's at my it's mystateline.com to watch her her report. All right, now hey, you go. Go ahead. Okay, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at sidkid80. That's once again at sidkid80. That's s i d k i d a zero s i d k i d a zero. And you can read my latest article on the Blackhawks returning. As the NHL returns as well, you can read my latest article on that at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. Yeah, like it on Facebook, follow on Twitter. You know, it's a great site, so make sure you guys check it out. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter, at Keena underscore McGee on the Instagram. And, yeah, so you can also listen to our show at, on Anchor on We Are, we are Regal we are RegalRadio.com on Anchor, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. 
yes, uh, check us out and check out the Dean Davis show as well. Dean Davis, the flip and Dean Davis, the sports show. They are on there as well. Support, support both of us. So uh, we keep bringing you this great content every, uh, con- content every week. Uh, looks like we're getting, uh, yeah, we're getting our sports back. I'm trying to get my timing back, even though we're shutting this show down for this week. So <laughs> our sports are coming back. And so uh, it was a challenging time. Um, we're not out of the woods just yet. We're almost there at the finish line. So um, uh, it's, it's been another great show, another great weekend. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing this again next week, Makina. Uh, same here. And like, like I've been saying, you know, baby steps, folks. I know, mm-hmm. I know it's been, listen, I know it's been, it's been rough for some of y'all more than others, but I, I know that, look, we're, we're almost there. We're getting there. So just wear your mask, you know, keep your social distancing, you know, make, make sure you keep your hands clean and, and everything else. And I'm just, I know there's been a lot of like horrible stuff that's been happening online right now. I will leave you with this vote. If you want real change, get your butts out there and vote. Protesting, you know, burning stuff down, it's not going to do it. Souls to the polls, like back in the day. I'm just, I'm going to leave it at that. All right. Also, yeah, Jason, so, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Mm. No, you go ahead. <laughs> no, I'll just, I just couldn't agree with you more. So, like I said, participate in the process, vote. I'll leave it there. All right. Also, Jason, we're thinking about you. Hopefully, he'll be able to rejoin us here soon. So, uh, okay. So, stay safe out there, guys. For Sid, I'm Lakeen. This is my second city sports Zoom style. Right Wash here. your hands. Holla. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, keep your hands clean, folks, and wear your mask. Still, yes. It's still required. <laughs>